WRF, wonderful Radio Flanagan. Welcome to the show. Well, indeed. Welcome to um, to wonderful Radio Flanagan, broadcasting live from the sofa on a Saturday afternoon. So in this time of crisis, when we're all sitting around, all <laughs> basically locked up in our own houses, where we usually spend our times locked up, um, I thought, I know, I'm bored, let me bore you too. <laughs> so I dug out, um, I, I, in the past, I was very a very prolific poem writer, and it's very difficult to say. I haven't had a drink, but it's just very difficult to say. And I've got a file here, and it's got poems from um, 1998 to 1990, it's 1998 to 1990, and then 1993 to 1994. Now, I appreciate that um, some of you weren't alive then, <laughs> and, and some of you were probably not into poetry either at the time, but um, I, thought I'd, uh, I thought I'd read a few, and the funny thing is, is that I, I wrote uh, explanatory notes as well. <laughs> so just in case I ever became incredibly rich and famous, and he asked me, Paul, why did you write that? And I go, yeah, hey, I've got a note here about that one. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, there's a one that I, I was, I was into. I don't know, I don't know if it was like nuclear war was heavy on my mind at the time, but there's, there's a few that I wrote, and um, one of them was called Bunker Men. This is a poem called Bunker Men, and um, my little explanatory note says, uh, I remember doing this after seeing an item on the news at ten about how places in nuclear air raid shelters were reserved for uh, tradesmen and bricklayers, carpenters and electricians, etc. Although they would never be building... What does it say? Although who they would be building new homes for was not explained, which is quite true. You could have all these uh, tradesmen down a a nuclear air raid shelter and then you could get them back up and there'd be nobody there to build homes for. But anyway, so this one is called Bunker Men. Treat the builders, not the masses. Who wants to save the middle classes? Nice new homes for bunker men on emerging from their den. Mutants out from doors on walls. Catch the next one as it falls. They don't get to see the day when bunker men come out to play. Stay pressed, stylish NBC threads, looking after all the heads of services which only then can keep alive the bunker men. A brave new world for bunker men. A chance to start it all again. As the glowing mists unfurls, I hope there are some bunker girls. (laughs) Bunker girls! Ah, dear me. Yes, yes, so that was was Bunker Men. And um, I typed these all out, so I've actually got... I've got a a couple of files. I have um, uh, a cardboard file with the original transcripts. That's the original transcripts. Uh, I will sign them later. If anybody wants like copies of these, I can sign them and send them on to you. So I've got a file with um, the, those ones in. And then I've got a file uh, where I've typed them all out. Now, at that time, back in the day, this was pre-computer. So um, this looks like I did them on... Uh, I bought a, um, an electronic typewriter. Ooh. <laughs> electronic typewriter had... Um, had a correction tape in it. How exciting! And uh, and it had a one-line memory, so it had that like this little screen, and uh, you saw the one line. So it had a one-line memory, so you could go back and correct one line. Uh, it was a Brother AX15 electronic typewriter. So 
I've got a file then with um, all of them printed out, uh, uh, typed out, sorry, and then I've taken copies. So each little plastic sleeve has a copy of about four of them. For some reason, I, I thought I was going to send all these off to, uh, you know, publishers and be, um, you know, and be and be rich and famous. Uh, but clearly, uh, something got in the way. Life, the universe, and everything got in the way. So that never happened. I've got a one here called, um, where's that one? Oh, summing it, summing it up. So this one's called Summing It Up. And uh, I'll read it first. So Summing It Up. Here we go. The moment that we met, I knew that I would be the one for you. And you did your best to see that you would be the one for me. One and one makes two, you say. You remember it like yesterday. Two and two makes four. I bet you don't recall the day we met. Three plus three was next in class. And that's when I made a pass. At four plus four, I held your hand, all sticky, clammy, and covered in sand. Five plus five, we sang in rhyme, and life was beautiful all the time. Finally, at six plus six, we all got out the stickle bricks. So it started for you and me, reciting sums in infant two, that I love you and you love me. It's a mathematical certainty. Oh yeah. The last should have said, so it started for me and you, reciting sums in infant two. That I love you and you love me, it's a mathematical certainty. Summing it up, what a nice little poem. It's about two children who fall in love when they meet in infant two. And they're reciting maths. <clears throat> I didn't have to explain that, but I did. And my little explanatory note on this one, it says, verse one. Oh yeah, verse one. That was the moment that we met. I knew that I would be the one for you, and you did your best to see that you would be the one for me. It was originally by itself an untitled, oh, untitled poems. I mean, they're the best out there, you know. An original untitled signed poem by Paul Flanagan. Um, and then in line two, verse four, line two, verse four. Oh yes, and life is beautiful all the time. Um, continues in the original song, which it was stolen from. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away, ha ha. Yeah, so that's where I nicked the uh, the Life is Beautiful all the time. So I think my brain shifted from um, uh, nuclear war to uh, love, which is like a... Um, quite, a, quite, a range, uh, quite a range of things, really. Oh, here's a little short one. Here, here we go. Needs no explanation, this one. This is called Confessions of a Condom Salesman. As a rep for Durex, I practice safer sex. With the girls that do the chasing, I think of it as product placing. <laughs> hey, dearie, dearie me. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, actually, let me see what the explanation for that one was, because I have got no explanation for that myself when I look at it. Um, probably, probably none whatsoever. I don't think it needs explanation, actually. Oh dear. Oh God, I do have an explanation for confessions of a, of, of a condom salesman. After seeing a program about the use of product placing as an advertising technique in one of the Bond movies. Oh yeah, there was a Bond movie, wasn't there? Where um, it was all about product placing, that's right. It must have been one of those crappy Bond movies with um, <clears throat> Timothy Dalton in or something like that. <laughs> Um, oh, yes, life, here we go. As we all know, life is for living, for loving and giving. Life is good timing and not for bad rhyming. Remember that, poets out there. 
um, <laughs> and shyness as well. This is shyness for all you for all you shy people out there. I was obviously shy, still am shy, but um, not shy enough. Oh yes, shyness. I suppose this could have been entitled Stockton Girls. <laughs> Stockton Girls. I suppose this could have been entitled Stockton Girls, but I didn't really want to alienate anybody. Well, I've done it now anyway, so this is for all you Stockton Girls out there. So this is called Shyness. I often ask the question why I have to be so shy with girls I know who won't say no. <laughs> That's dedicated to all you Stockton Girls. <laughs> oh, there's quite a few things there. Uh, yes, so um, as a, as a as a little interval to all of this, I was out uh, early early morning shopping this morning. We won't talk about you know everything that's going on at the moment, but uh, needless to say, it's a bit manic, and people should be less selfish about things. And speaking of uh, bombs and wars and what have you, oh, pardon me, you can't see this, but I've got a big thing of orange juice here. There's no editing on this podcast, so <laughs> that's me drinking orange juice. Yeah, there was so this this next one. <clears throat> I've had a special request for this one. Of course, I haven't had a special request, you silly person. <laughs> Nobody knew. I didn't know I was going to do this until five minutes ago. Um, but this one is called a beach too far. So, if you remember. Um, uh, and in fact, in, in, for people in the UK, if you remember during the Falklands War, uh, the Malvinas, um, there was a famous BBC reporter, and he, he was always quote, he quoted about the planes that uh, were on an aircraft carrier, and um, he said, "I counted them all out, and I counted them all back again." Okay, that was his famous BBC line, and so um, I, I I I decided to take that little line and twist it a bit and um, stuck it in the title uh, of, sorry, what did I do? I decided to I decided to entitle the whole thing with a misquoted Second World War movie A Bridge Too Far oh yeah, A Bridge Too Far, a Bridge Too Far and the poem is actually about one summer's day when I walked to Seton now Seton Crew is um, up on the coastline in the northeast of England and it's a lovely place I was just um, and he well, um, uh, uh, my Instagram person friend was posting pictures of uh, Seton Crew today, and the beach is empty. Naturally, she was the only person on it, and uh, and it's lovely. Seton Crew's lovely, and and those people who know it who used to go there <clears throat> back in the day because it's an old Victorian um, seaside resort. But uh, like during the fifties and sixties, and probably early seventies, it was uh, massive for uh, families to go on holiday there. So. Um, I went there, I hitched a lift, I hitched from Billingham um, on the probably a, the A689, the A689 road, I hitched from there to Seton and then I walked around Seton and I came back. So this one's entitled A Beach Too Far. I walked down the beach, counted the ships, counted the numbers of dogs floundering in the breakers chasing sticks, counted the oil slick windsurfers counted the number of people doing exactly as I was, looked at the sea, it's very hypnotic, watched the way the tide comes in, in a pincer movement, leaving people stranded on sandbars, counted the number of times I'd read about tourists being lifted to safety by air sea rescue helicopters, thought about the chance of an interesting lift home, decided to go for an ice cream, 
wandered along the seafront, wondered why I came here in the first place, wandered and wandered my way out of town, counted the number of cars that didn't stop to give me a lift, counted them all the way home. A beach too far. <laughs> that was quite good. I like that one. I like them all actually. Um, I'm just wondering because some of them, uh, some of them look better uh, on paper, um, and some of them are too long to read out. Excuses. This is an excuses one. So for all you people who have excuses, um, oh, do you know what? Uh, I, I, clearly, I thought I was going to become rich and famous because here's my exp explanation for the poem excuses. Another in rabbit ears, immortal. But isn't it so true? Okay, yeah. So here it is, excuses. One of these days, when I get the time, not while I'm busy, after it stopped raining, during the adverts, if I'm not disturbed, on Sunday morning, with the right tools, I'll find the proper excuse. <laughs> yes. Why do you do this, Flanagan? I, I don't know. Oh, God, there's one called Love and Death there. I'm not reading that out. Oh, another one about alien invasions. Hello, Mr. Earthlink. No, we don't want that one. And then an, another one called The Final Frontier. Let me just read this to myself first. Uh, oh, no, that's far too... I can't read that one. That's awful, that one. Um, more about women. I, oh, you obviously had a thing about women. <laughs> No, really. Oh, yeah. And now, I'm now, and now I'm going to jump to the period of um, <clears throat> 1993 to 1994. So in 1993, 1994, or just to say, actually, uh, the first lot, uh, 1988 to 1990, I would have been at home in the northeast of England, uh, and also um, down in Brighton, I think. I was, had I started working Primark? I'm not sure. I think I had. Um, but yeah. So, uh, and then, and then uh, there was a, a hiatus in my um, uh, my creative juices, as it were. Uh, or this one, uh, this one, uh, actually, this one is in nineteen eighty eight again. So this is um, what I call the post American blues. So in nineteen ninety eight, I went over to uh, California, and uh, to stay with Paul. Paul, Paul will be listening to this because um, he keeps saying to me, "Do another podcast," because he listens to them in his car on his way to work. So Paul, don't crash. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so this one's called Post American Blues. Post American Blues. <clears throat> uh, New York City shrinking, colourful by night. JFK departure, early evening flight. Two months on the West Coast, vanished in the past. Putting it in writing, the memory will last. Eastern time to Greenwich, hours to add on. Continental breakfast arriving in London. Sleepless nights with jet lag in the cold UK. California dreaming on such a winter's day. I think I'm allowed that. Am I allowed that? Yeah. I'm allowed that one. <laughs> oh, I did a country and western song as well. A country and western poem. Uh, oh, no, I can't read that one. That's terrible. <laughs> Oh, this is a nice one. So when I was when I was in Brighton and I worked for Primark, um, uh, there was uh, lots of staff there and uh, lots of lots of female staff there, and the Saturday staff were the best staff, I have to say, because um, there was about like fifty of them. Uh, it was a three-floor store, and there was about fifty of them, and, and there was a whole team of um, supervisors. 
and uh, uh, and so and so this is this, and and so one of the um, one of, no she wasn't a supervisor she was in charge of the customer service desk I think and her name was Eleanor and uh, she's just a young girl but uh, and my explanation for this is that um, uh, when I worked in Primark in Brighton there was a girl who worked behind the customer service desk on a Saturday called Eleanor Beep her name wasn't Beep I'm just not going to say her name that's all uh, and she lived in Shoreham which was about halfway home to my flat in Hove, where I lived when I worked in Primark. Uh, so on Saturday, she offered to give me a lift halfway home when the shop shut, and then gave me the directions to walk the rest of the way. So um, I couldn't follow her directions. You know, before we got in the car, she was giving me all these street directions, and I had a clue. So she drove me all the way home. And basically, this was a poem for her, which she never got. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, she didn't get it. Um, I think I left, actually, after that. So um, I'd actually subtitled it an example in forced poemetting. I don't know what that means. I think that means is that I took the subject matter and basically uh, pile-drived a poem out of myself. But I didn't think it was, after all, it was just damned clever. Ha ha. Jesus. <laughs> this is what I've written about my own poetry at the time. <laughs> hmm. So, Eleanor drove me home, and this is called When Eleanor Drove Me to My Door. Oh, and she uh, she drove a um, um, a little Renault Clio, uh, not Clio at the time, or a small little Renault something or other. So, dumped upon the old Shoreham Road with a student of the highway code, saved from walking miles and more when Eleanor drove me to my door. Over the bridge and turn right, down to Woolworth, so polite. A list of directions she did pour. Then Eleanor drove me to my door. Posing casually outside her house, as quiet as a mute church mouse. Les clés de Renault, je dis encore. And Eleanor drove me to my door. So thank you, Eleanor, for taking me home. And I hope you like this little poem. Next time I won't create the fuss. I'll stand in line and get the bus. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> there you go. There's just these things, uh, these little poems just pop out, uh, and 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 some of them, are, you know, there's like um, there's lots of little short ones that I've just written, uh, um, where uh, I'm just trying to see if uh, any any of them are acceptable for reading, <laughs> uh, for reading out. Oh, sounds of suburbia. Oh yeah yeah yeah. The sounds of suburbia. Now. This was, I'm trying to find my page where I've got things written down about the different poems. And, uh, yeah. Oh, this is Sounds of Suburbia in London, is it? Oh, no, Brighton. So this is Friday the 9th of June, 1989. Brighton, Paul Flanagan. I've got it written at the bottom. I should really have read that bit first. So, yeah. Um, when I was in Brighton, and when I first started working in Primark, I was in uh, digs, as we say, I was in uh, accommodation. I was in this house and uh, th these people, this young couple, um, they had previously uh, lettered rooms out to um, Primark, um, uh, you know, managers, because there was a management team in Primark. And and, uh, and, and so they had previously let rooms out or let a room out and I had taken over this room from somebody else. So they were used to having um, people there. And I remember that it was, um, they had 
polystyrene sheets and a polystyrene duvet and it was very noisy <laughs> and I remember um, they had um, tiled polystyrene things as well so it was all very sort of like scratchy and when insects got in it was like tick 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 you know across that um, and the next door neighbours were pretty loud as well so here we go sounds of suburbia at night time the house of animals next door with pre-bed riot clanking of forks against tin plates and pot bowls with women in high-pitched voices calling their cats car doors banging three streets away at two in the morning coughing of the funny old man who walks his dog at godly hours on the playing field behind the house planes and trains not normally heard during the day seem to go on forever and the central heating acoustic ensemble wind through the trees outside my window my noisy duvet maybe I should shave my legs the tiniest of flies that got in through the open window and that is now making a hell of a lot of noise as it flits across the polystyrene ceiling tiles my stomach oh, indigestion the scratching of the cat at the foot of my bedroom door as it tries to get in these are the sounds of Brighton <laughs> Sounds of suburbia. I guess with that one, you had to be there, really. In fact, if you were there, I'd have been quite surprised, to be perfectly honest with you, because it was only a single bed. Ooh, people, oh yes, people are, without doubt, the strangest species here about. Cats and dogs, you get to know. People, they just come and go. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, simple rhyming, four-beat timing, little writing, sentence fighting. It's all there. Um, oh yeah yeah walking to work this was a nice one actually because I used to um, when I lived in Hove I used to uh, walk down to the seafront walk along the seafront and uh, and then walk up um, Preston Street is it? Yeah, Preston Street in Brighton the one that's got a load of restaurants on and then walk along the Western Road to where the Primark store was and so this is my little my little poem about walking uh, walking along the seafront Strolling gently, slowly westward, forming waves break to my right, thinking thoughts of simple pleasure, now and eastward late tonight. That's not Clint Eastwood, that was Eastwood going back the other way. Did I have to explain that one? I think I didn't. Um, I think the last little poem that I'm going to read actually is because uh, I mean, there's absolutely loads. What's that one? Once, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, oh, that's another country and western song. No, you don't want that one. Uh, oh God, actually, there's quite a few here. I could, I could, uh, I could, um, I, I could sit here for ages. Oh yeah, I'll read you this one actually. Um, so I wrote this because uh, uh, <laughs> you don't know what I'm going to read, so I'll tell you anyway. Uh, this is the one about the. Um, anniversary of the Kennedy assassination and uh, the th it's called the 30 year assassination so because uh, I have an absolute obsession with the with the Kennedy assassination and um, this I wrote this on uh, on the 30 I wrote this on the 22nd of November uh, 1993 on the 30th anniversary of the assassination so it goes like this who'd have thought in 63 that JFK to make great TV while cruising past the depository into a 30-year conspiracy. Who'd have thought that poor Lee 
could change the world's democracy, then before the trial by jury be blown away by Jack Ruby. And who'd have thought in 93 that JFK still great TV on this 30th anniversary shot again for you and me? Take what you will from that. And then I had a little postscript note afterwards. P.S. Did you know the gentleman who filmed that famous piece of footage of the assassination was called Abraham Zabruder? His name happens to be an anagram of Bah! Bizarre murder! <laughs> it really is. And finally, I'll get to the, I'll get to the one that I was going to do. Um, oh, God. Uh, this is called the Pinstripe Pusher. I might have I might have actually put this on Facebook before, but um, I quite like this one. This is called the Pinstripe Pusher. And I've said, most poems only take me about 45 minutes to write. So did this. Jesus. Um, but I seem to have a problem putting the verses in the right order and putting an ending on it. All ready for a sequel. Ha ha. <laughs> Who was I then? <laughs> um, I can't say what made me do it, so there's no reason for doing it. But here we go. So it's called the Pinstripe Pusher. What became of his long-lost son, last seen on the tube at Wimbledon? Cut out of the inheritance for lacking basic common sense? Commuting daily to the city, life was long... Life was one long big committee. Eventually he had to track... He had to... Oh, fuck. I'm going to start this again. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm going to start this again, and I'm going to have a drink of orange juice. Okay, here we go. Ah. Uh. Live podcasting. It's just as well I'm not doing a video of this as well because um, I've got a problem with my nose. I've got a really red sore nose, and it um, it I've got cream on it at the minute. So uh, I look like I've been to like the North Pole. You know the you know the way that they do and put the white cream on them. So I've got this like white cream all over it. Um, anyway, get back to the poor eh? me. <clears throat> so this is called the Pinstripe Pusher. And what became of his long-lost son, last seen on the tube at Wimbledon, cut out of the inheritance for lacking basic common sense? Commuting to the Daily City, life was one long big committee. Eventually he had to crack, and pushed a nun upon the track. Thank God for a blessed intervention, the dead man's handled driver's invention. He seemed to suddenly blow a fuse, the sister said on the evening news. Travelling on the district line back in 1969, Reported in the Evening Standard. Beast that should be caught and branded. Throughout the London Underground, the pinstripe pusher could not be found. <laughs> right, that's enough of that. I'm bored now. <laughs> so yes, so I just thought I'd, I'd fill um, 20 minutes or half an hour, whatever it is, of just mindless mindless low grade entertainment you know when you know when you've given up sky and your um your now tv vouchers have run out and you've only got like free tv to look at and you're watching the shopping channel at two in the morning listen to this <laughs> right that's all i've got time for this week this month um approaching 27 and a half minutes I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I hope you have as well. If you do have any requests, if you give me a subject for a poem to write, give me a subject for a poem to write. Yeah, that would be good. Um, and then I can write this poem, wrf at mail.com, wrf at mail.com, or drop me a line in um, the Facebook um, place, or I don't know, send me a carrier pigeon, whatever. So uh, this is Paul, finished reading his poems, signing off. 
And that's the end of the show from WRF. If you want to get in contact with me to say hello, email me at wrf at mail.com wrf at mail.com Thank you and goodbye.